Praise the Lord, my friends. Thank you so much for joining this podcast, the podcast of D.A. Smith Ministries. It is my prayer that the word of God that you hear today will bless you, empower you, and encourage you. Listen in to the word of God as it is taught and or preached and enjoy this podcast. God bless you. You and your family, I pray that you are doing well and that uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength on tonight. We're thankful and we're blessed to be uh, in this another uh, Bible class tonight, Students of the Word session. And we press on in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is worthy of all of our praise. He's worthy of our glory, of all the glory, and we we give him all that is due to his name on tonight. I say God bless you to all of our uh, our viewers on tonight, be it uh, Facebook Live or YouTube. Uh, We thank you for taking the time out to view and to worship with us on tonight. Also, uh, God bless you to all of our uh, attendees who are listening uh, by way of the phone conference line. We thank God for you as well. Now tonight, we are uh, continuing on in our series uh, entitled Thriving in Unprecedented Times. Uh, we have just concluded uh, on this past, last Wednesday night and with a message on Sunday, our uh, overall theme of uh, the importance of community. And uh, the Lord blessed, and we thank God for that. Uh, But tonight we continue with Thriving in Unprecedented Times. And I want to take us down this this road with the help of the Lord. And we want to uh, have an underlying theme, if you will, of back to the basics. Back to the basics. Uh, Back to the basics. That's what we want to... uh, put out there, if we're going to thrive in unprecedented times, we're going to have to go back to the basics. Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your strength. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your anointing. Anoint us afresh. We thank you for speaking through us and for us. Lord, give us what you would have us to say in this hour. In the precious, mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Back to the basics. Uh, my, my brothers and my sisters, I, I think that we all are aware and I think we all can agree tonight that we are in this period of time for a reason. And I believe one of those reasons is that the Lord is trying to put us in a position of reset. Uh, a time, this is a time of reset. Uh, and, and what is that, Pastor Dan, or what do you mean by that? Um, if you've ever had an issue with uh, your Internet service at your home where it was going good, but it was not doing like you wanted it to do, maybe there was some misfire, there was not uh, the right connection, things were a little just spotty, uh, it was not like it was when you first got it. Um, 
you know, the, the upload, download speed was terrible. Some devices can connect, some couldn't. What is the one of the things that they tell you when you call the people uh, that you need to do? They say they, they want you to reset the router, the modem. And so they tell you to unplug everything. Unplug the uh, power and unplug the, uh, the cable to, uh, that runs into the cable modem outside, the cable line outside, okay? And why do they tell you to do that? Because they need to give it a hard reset. And one of the things that they're trying to achieve is to get that modem back running to the quality of service as it was when it was installed or even better. They want to improve it. They want to get it stable and improved, okay? And sometimes you have updates. You have updates uh, that you need to get. And so when you have to get updates, uh, you have to reset to get those updates because if you keep going and keep going and never unplug and never uh, take the time to disconnect uh, you will think you're doing good, but you're missing out the update. Come on, somebody. You're missing out on the update because you haven't unplugged. You haven't reset. So this is a time of reset, I do believe, for the body of Christ and for us as individuals and for us as Christians. And we should take this opportunity to let God do what he wants to do in us. Now, there are many basics that we could uh, review that we need to go back to and we are going to look at some over the next few weeks as the Lord will help us and give us the strength to do so but I want to begin here tonight with our foundational scripture I want to go to Second Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse number 14 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 verse number 14 I know many of you probably can say this verse in your sleep Second Chronicles chapter number 7, verse number 14. And it reads, If my people, aren't you glad to be considered one of God? Lord have mercy. Which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. All right? If my people which are called by my name, this is what's got to happen. A reset. Humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. All right? Back to the basics. Now, let's look at this text and see if we can't uh, begin our uh, journey in this, this lesson. This text is really surrounding the, what I would, we would, we would call the dedication of Solomon's temple, okay? The dedication of Solomon's temple. And 
Solomon's temple didn't just come to existence uh, on a fly-by-night idea. There was a reason why Solomon's temple existed. There was purpose behind Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was built uh, primarily to house the Ark of the Covenant. What is the Ark of the Covenant? If you remember back in the Old Testament, back some ways, the Ark of the Covenant was built to symbolize the presence of God. And so we see in Scripture, that the Ark of the Covenant moved from place to place. It moved from place to place. And we see that uh, David moved it from place to place. It started back all the way in the uh, Moses tabernacle. Okay? It was always a, 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 a symbol of the presence of God. It was always a symbol of the presence of God. Let's look at this Ark of Covenant a little bit closer because you need to understand it before we go a little bit further. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And I want to look at verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 3. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is also called the holiest of all. All right, in the tabernacle of Moses, you had the, the outer court, the inner court, and the holies of holies. That's where, that's where only the priests could, could go in, the holies of holies. All right, and that's where you see we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. Now, what was the Ark of the Covenant made of? Look at verse number four. It was overlaid round about with gold. Overlaid round about with gold. Wherein... Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was the golden pot that had manna. You remember manna was the food that God provided for the children of Israel. In the wilderness, every morning they had just enough for that day. They didn't have more than enough because they didn't have uh, extra because it was spoiled. But they had just enough for that day's journey, for that day. He provided for them every day. Okay, manna, it had Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron was a leader in Israel, okay? That rod worked miracles. It also was a symbol of leadership. It was a symbol of the power of God. And inside of that also was the tables of the covenant, a symbolic of not only just Moses' leadership, 
because Moses was the one that uh, wrote the, uh, the, the covenant, the, the commandments on the tables of stone. So you have a symbol of Moses in there and his relationship with God because he got the commandments from God, but you also have something from uh, Aaron's leadership there and uh, you have uh, the manna, okay? Aaron's rod, you know, Aaron and Moses, they were top leaders. Then you got into later on, you got into Joshua, so forth and so on. But in this Ark of the Covenant, in this Ark of the Covenant, that's what was there. It had uh, this special wood, this special wood in which it was made of, okay? Uh, special wood that it was made of. But the most important thing about this uh, uh, Ark of the Covenant, you need to understand, it symbolizes and represented the presence of God. Verse number five, and over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat. So they had cherubims that shattered the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. All right? So this is the Ark of the Covenant. This is what was designed uh, to be as a symbolic figure of the presence of God. Okay? Now, it was not to be worshipped as God. It was just symbolic of the presence of God. And it was not to be handled any kind of way. It was not to just be put any kind of way or put any kind of place. It was supposed to be put in sanctified, ordained places. It was supposed to be put in sanctified, ordained places. Places that God has sanctioned, places that God had blessed, places that God had put his blessing and approval upon. That's where the Ark of the Covenant could go. Not anybody could just pick it up and transport it. You had to be of the Levitical priesthood to transport the Ark of the Covenant. Come here, David. David, remember, was trying to transport the Ark of the Covenant, into the city of David. How did he do it? He decided, we're going to put it on an ox. Mm, mistake. They put it on an ox, okay? They was putting it on an ox, and here they go, trying to carry the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. Well, they stumbled upon a little uh, pothole, if you will. They had a stumble uh, along the pathway, and poor fella, man by the name of Uzzah, he meant well. He meant really well, but he was wrong. He was wrong. He went and tried to grab the Ark of the Covenant. He went and tried to grab the Ark of the Covenant to keep it from tipping over. And as soon as he did, that was the end of him. That was the end of him because he wasn't in that order. He wasn't in the Levitical priesthood, which was, was structured. They were ordered. They were sanctified. They were anointed. They were consecrated. For order, they they carried out the order of God. They was they were the the praise and worship of God. Okay, they were the ones that were supposed to do it. Here he go 
Praise God. He was doing right, but he was out of order. Help me somebody tonight. You can be doing right, but you can be completely out of order. And then that makes your right wrong. <laughs> you can be doing right, but be out of order, and that makes your right wrong. And so uh, you have to be careful with that because God has an order. God has structure. God has a way that he wants things done. And, you know, we can't be fly by nights. And we can't be uh, just any way or anything would do with God because it won't fly. God does not operate like that. He's very systematic uh, in his approach to things. He wants things done decently and in order. And so here goes the Ark of the Covenant. And David, uh, uh, you know, he's had his experience to with that, you know, he had put it over there to Obed Edom house one time. He got upset and uh, put it over there to Obed Edom house and saw how Obed Edom's house was getting blessed because of the covenant. And he said, I got to have it now. So he went through all these different things. So now, fast forward in time. Fast forward in time and we come to First Chronicles chapter 17. Let's go there. First Chronicles chapter 17. First Chronicles chapter 17. Glory to God. First Chronicles chapter 17. First Chronicles chapter 17, verse number one. We're still dealing with the Ark of the Covenant. All right. Now it came to pass, as David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under the curtain. You know, something, something wrong with that. He said, something, something just ain't that quite, quite right. You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing fairly well, but I'm slighting God some kind of way. Lord help me. I could I could teach I'm preaching on that kind of I could I could teach on that right there. I'm doing all right, but I'm slighting God some kind of way. Then Nathan said unto God unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. Nathan thought, okay, David's on to something. Let's see what David talking about. And it came to pass the same night. Because Nathan could already read David. He was a prophet, remember? That the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David, my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up Israel until this day. But have gone from tent to tent. I told you that it, it moved. And from one tabernacle to another. He, he's saying, you know, I, I move. I move. I move. Where? Uh, and so let's go down to uh, verse number 11. Actually, verse number 10. Verse number 10. And since the time I commanded 
judges to be over my people Israel. Moreover, I will subdue all thine enemies. Further, I tell thee that the Lord will build thee in house. And it shall come to pass when thy days be expired that thou must go to be with thy fathers, talking about David now, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build in house, and I will establish his throne forever. All right. So, in essence, what the Lord is saying is, David, you got a good heart. I love you a lot, but I don't want you to build me a house. I don't want you to build me a house. But I'm going to give it to your son to do. Who is David's son? David's son is Solomon. But now, David was very instrumental in getting things together for the temple to be built. He was very instrumental in getting things together for uh, things to be built. I want you to go to 1 Chronicles and then flip over to chapter number 22. Verse number 5. Glory to God. Y'all stay with me. Verse number 5. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build in house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build in house unto the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, thou hast shed blood abundantly. And thou made great wars. Thou shalt not build an house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. So David is saying to Solomon, it's on you. We got to put this Ark of the Covenant somewhere special. The, I would love to build a house of God. I would love to build a temple for the Lord. But the Lord does not want me to build this house. He doesn't want me to build this house because I have blood on my hands. And the Lord's house is a sanctified place. Listen to me. The Lord's house is a holy place. The Lord's house is a pure place. And I am not qualified to build a house. (laughs) I'm not qualified. I have the mind to do it. 
I have the will to do it, but I don't have the sanctification to do it. Because he's too holy. The place is too holy. And that's what I want to get to tonight. That we have got to get back to the basics. And one of them is recognizing the reverence of the house of God. And if you've been following me and in my teaching at church, you know that one of my passions and one of the things that we talked about before is that we have got to reverence and understand the significance and the holiness of the house of God. The house of God. I believe it's no mistake God has pulled us out of the church for this period. God has pulled us out of the church for this period of time. Why? Because I believe for years, listen to me, for years we have started to degrade and to devalue the sanctimony and the sanctification and the holiness of the temple. The holiness of the temple. We have just become too lackadaisical concerning the house of God. And now is the time to get back to the basic, okay, and to understand the holiness of the place where God has put his blessing on and has put his sim, uh, his hand on and said, if you build it and if you want my presence to be there, I'll be there. But you've got to make this and keep this a sanctified place, a holy place, a pure place, okay? And I can recall in my earlier years of life, that even as a young child, I can recall how reverent we was toward the house of God. And I can see how through the years, we have slowly, slowly, slowly pulled away from that. When I was a young lad, you could not, under no no circumstances, run throughout the church, unless it was under the unction of praise or the Holy Ghost. You could not run through the pulpit as a child, let alone walk through the pulpit, okay? Even, and I'm just putting this out here, I'm not not saying anybody's doing anything, I'm just saying the, the difference in time. If you are an usher on the pastor's aid committee, and I remember because I was a junior usher, we had to, uh, to bring the pastor's water before service. We had to walk on the choir stand, reach over, and put it down uh, on the pastor's table or give it to a, uh, another pastor to, get, to take it on the pulpit because that was holy space. We certainly couldn't just walk up near the podium because this was the sacred desk where the man of God, the woman of God was going to preach and declare the word of God. It was a sanctified place. 
okay? And you couldn't just flop down in the pulpit chairs or, or just sit down, certainly not in the pastor's chair because that was a special seat that was set aside and consecrated for the pastor to sit because sitting in his seat means you're sitting in his authority and you're carrying his weight. You're carrying his problems. You're carrying everything that he carries is in that seat. Huh? There's more to it than just a chair. And the house of God was reverent. Didn't chew gum, didn't eat nabs unless you was a diabetic. You just didn't pull out a pack of nabs and go to eating in the sanctuary loosely. You just didn't do that type thing because this was a reverent space. Come on. If you was not saved and you was riding by and you had your when you got close to the church, you turned it down. You could barely hear it. Barely hear it. Almost cut it off. Then when you got further, you turn. You turn it back on, went on about your business. But you didn't play that in front of the church on the church ground because it was holy ground. But we've lost that because now, now, we have been tricked into believing it's just a building. It's just a building. We have been tricked into believing it's just a building. Sure, I know it's made out of brick. I know it's made out of whatever. And I know it has natural elements. But when it has been sanctified and when it has been dedicated, as we see in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when God has put his approval on something, it is no longer Ordinary. Let's go to uh, the first verse in Second Chronicles chapter number seven. Lord, I feel good tonight. Second Chronicles chapter number seven, verse number one. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, they were dedicating the building that had been uh, uh, put up for the Lord in the Ark of the Covenant. When Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. Verse number two. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. <laughs> the Lord's house. Listen to that. The glory had filled the Lord's house. There is a distinction there. The Lord's house. Had filled the Lord's house. Verse number three. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, his mercy 
endureth forever. The Lord said, this is it here. This is it. I like this. This is it. This is it. The power of God came through. It was evident that he was pleased. Let me tell you something. Even in your personal life, you, are, you know you are in the will of God when God shows up. My God, you know you are in the will of God when God shows up. When God does not show up, when God's presence is not there, when God, I'm, I'm not talking about an a imitation, because the devil can, can imitate. He can make you think something and uh, then pull the rug from up under you. But the authentic presence of God, listen, when God is with you and the presence of God is there and you see change in your life, change in the life of others, listen, then you know you are in the will of God. You know you are in the will of God. And so we can never lose sight of the importance of the house of God. Never lose sight of the importance of the house of God. Never lose sight of reverence. And I think this time in our lives, we need to, to reevaluate that. Maybe I was just going to church out of habit. Maybe I was just going out of church because I didn't want nobody to call me and ask me why I didn't go to church. Maybe I was just going to church because it was the right thing to do. But maybe now is the time to say I'm going to church when I can and can get back to church. I'm going to church because God is there. I know he's, every, he's in your house right now if you invite him. Yes, he is. He'll be in your car if you invite him. The presence of God, he's omnipresent. Don't get me wrong. He's omnipresent. Right now, he's dwelling where he, wherever you want him to be. He's omnipresent. I am not taking away from that. What I am saying is there's something extra special about the house of God. The Lord's house. The Lord's house. We're having virtual church right now. That's, that's perfectly fine because you're getting the word. Uh, this, is, this is where God has us right now. For some, uh, this, this period of time is serving as a transition uh, from a physical campus uh, to a virtual campus. Some, some ministries are transitioning from a physical campus to a virtual campus because it serves their needs better, depending on the demographics of the church, the age group of the church, the finances of the church, different things. But not all churches are going that way. Understand that. Some churches are having to make adjustments. This pandemic really shifted some things, okay? Some churches are having to switch the way they minister, the way they minister to the people, okay? All right? Then some churches now, some ministries, I should say, are doing a combination of both. We introduced this thought 
uh, not too long ago that in addition to the physical campus, we are maintaining and will keep a virtual campus, okay? But if the Lord ever allows you individually, whether it's your home church or you're visiting another church, whatever, to walk back into his house, a church building, if he ever allows you to do that, to a house that's sanctified by him, our whole attitude should be different. Our whole attitude should be different. Our whole attitude, our whole outlook should be different now. Because we no longer should look at it as an obligation. Mm. Glory to God. We should no longer look at it as I'm obligated to be there. Should no longer look at it as just a building, just like anywhere else. Okay? It's not just a building. It's not just a building. The Solomon's temple was not just a building. It housed the presence of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant was there. It, it was a place of sacrifice, of praise, and worship. It's not just a building. You can get, uh, 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 you cannot get at McDonald's what you can get at the house of God. Lord, help me tonight. You can't get at McDonald's what you can get at the house of the Lord. You go to McDonald's to get the bread for life. But you go to the house of God to get the bread of life. There's a big difference. You go to McDonald's to get the bread for life. But you come to the house of the Lord to get the bread of life. And you got to understand that. And yes, God is everywhere. Yes, God is in our homes. God is everywhere. But there's something extra special when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, <laughs> Let us go into the house of the Lord. We have allowed the secular world to trick us. We allow Satan and his minions trick us into believing that we don't need the house of God. That we can just do anything and everything at the house of God. Just have anything going on there play any kind of music. I remember I remember uh, we were doing remodeling at uh, St. Louis and uh, there was one project going on and I just happened to be over there that day and uh, the people that were working, they, you know, they weren't saved and uh, the one gentleman there that wasn't saved, he was playing his jam music, you know. You know what jam music is. He's playing in the sanctuary. And, you know, right then my spirit was disturbed. I said, well, maybe he don't, he ain't getting it. So I kind of politely ran up, walked up to him. I said, sir, with all due respect, can you please not play your music, that music in the sanctuary? This is the sanctuary of God. This is, um, we keep this place uh, as sanctified and pure as we can, but um, you're more than welcome when you leave to do to play your music. And you know, he respected that. 
He said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. But we got to defend the house of God. You can't let anything and everything just go on and, and, and so forth. I try to keep an atmosphere, a certain atmosphere in the house of God because I want God to be able to work. Somebody might need a healing. Somebody might need a deliverance. Somebody might need to be saved. Somebody might need a breakthrough. And he, the Lord, won't move if it's a lot of clutter in the air, a lot of unnecessary stuff. The Bible says the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Somebody said, what does this got to do with the pandemic, Pastor? Well, just got to do with unprecedented time. Well, if we get back to the basics and if we start reverencing God and the things of God, I believe he'll bring us through. I believe he'll bring us out. I believe he'll bring us out. We got to reverence the house of God. I remember uh, the same Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, number, verse number 1. He said, keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Be more ready to hear. Some people just, they just got to be moving all the time. Sit down somewhere. Ain't that what uh, this <laughs> elder Ferris said that Sunday? He said, get somewhere and sit down. We got to keep our foot. We got to be reverent. All right? And not be distracted at the house of God. But be more ready to hear. God has something he want to say. Let's not forget house of God. And so they dedicated the temple. And then the Lord gave this message to Solomon and said, now I'm with y'all. But now you know Israel, think he gets sideways sometimes. And that's where verse 13 and 14 comes in. After the solid, the temple was built, dedicated, and we'll get into that a little bit more at a later time. Thank you for tuning in tonight. God bless you. We are in a place now where we've got to reevaluate everything. When we go to the house of God, remember that it's holy ground. There are angels all around ministering spirits to minister to us. It's holy ground. It's holy ground. It's holy ground. It's holy ground. Don't forget to reverence the house of God. And in the short term, while you're at your home, if you have a dedicated space, that's for you and God. Keep that place reverent. Build God an altar right where you are. And say, this is my place for you, for me and God to meet. No, it's, it's not nowhere like the actual temple house of God, but this is my holy ground right here where me and God meet. It's holy ground. If you need prayer tonight, information is on your screen. Reach out to us. We'll pray for you. We'll show you the way to salvation. The Lord loves you.
bless you. Those who need to give you a tithe offering or sow a seed tonight, please do so. The Lord love you. We hope to see you Sunday morning for Christian education. On the phone line at 945 and then worship at 